Thank you sincerely, Element Skateboards, for stepping up and sponsoring my podcast. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Me being a skater my entire life, uh, this means a lot to me. I still skate to this day. You guys have a lot of great collaborations coming out. And to talk about one of them, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Derek from Separatora! For fall 2020, Element releases its second collaborative collection with American hardcore punk pioneers, Bad Brains. This season's range is anchored by the work of the legendary photographer, B.J. Pappas. B.J., give us a quick history on the Bad Brains photos that are coming out on the Element skateboard. I did a tour in 1989 with um, Bad Brains, Sick of It All, and Leeway. We were just all friends, and um, I wanted to photograph it, and everyone basically told me that it was a waste of time and a waste of money, that it was a stupid idea to do it, but I just did it anyway. The collection tops off with artwork from bassist and co-founder Daryl Jennifer. After being banned from DC, the group migrated to New York City. Many classic shows were sweated out at CBGB's, the home of underground punk located on the Lower East Side. The Element Bad Brains collection includes graphic t-shirts, hoodies, jackets, and pants, as well as a selection of skateboards and accessories. Check it out and get what you need at the Element website. That's elementbrand.com. All right, welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morse. Today, I have a very, very, very special guest. Um, this intro is pretty long. Rapper, singer, DJ, producer, songwriter, TV personality, um, actor, activist, entrepreneur, 26 Grammy nominations, seven wins. Is that correct? Uh, so, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to be all like... Yo, um, welcome to the podcast, Will I Am. Oh, thanks. What up? What up, Tobes? Thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. Um, this is the most information I've ever read about a human on the internet before, and it's you. Like, so many things that you've accomplished in your life. Um, but first and foremost, thanks for being here. Um, Honor. And you were born here, correct? Born and raised East L.A., yep. Boyle Heights. Boyle Heights. And how, how, was that? how was that growing up here? You know, it was beautiful, you know, because I didn't know what to compare it to true but being around being raised around all mexicans was a beautiful thing and i kind of like when i watched the movie you know jungle book was it jungle book who's mowgli is that like is that jungle book i think so maybe yeah mowgli that was raised around all wolves and he thought he was a wolf mm-hmm. that's how i felt growing up i thought like i got you i grew up latin i grew up like my neighbors were mexican I understand Spanish and, and speak it enough to survive. Yeah. And it was beautiful for 20, 20 years of my life. But then I went to an all-white school, uh, Brentwood Science Magnet, Paul Revere Junior High School, Pacific Palisades. So my friends growing up were like diverse, super diverse as it gets. Yeah. So you, you, you hang out with the Cholos, you go to an all-black church, and then your, one of your closest friends in high school was, you know, Seth Shifty. From Crazy Town. Oh, for real? Yeah. Wow. He was, he was the guy that brought me to Hollywood. Wow, man. So Seth like used to pick me up, take me to like Hollywood clubs when we were like 16, 17. Got a record deal at 17 years old. Yeah, I saw it with Easy E, right? Yeah. So Seth is like... Wow, know, so you went to school with him. Yeah, and DJ AM. Um, rest in peace. Yes. Um, but yeah, that, that was my squad. That's crazy. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> so how, how, how were you in school? Were you good in school? I was good in school, like super hyperactive. Me um, too. 
um, before ADD was like <laughs> giving out like freaking Halloween candy. Yeah. Um, we couldn't afford it, so thank God I, w- I wasn't on Ritalin. Ritalin, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was the shit back then. I think, yeah, my mom was trying to get me on that at one point, I think. Always yeah. spazzing in class, couldn't pay attention. Yeah, super spazz, yeah. I'm a super spazz, too. <laughs> <laughs> but did you get good grades and shit, though, and focus? And um, I was... No, I got, like, Cs and Ds, but every teacher... I had a great relationship with my teachers. Yeah. So relationships and networking goes a long way. (laughs) You can have A's and you have a bunch of A's and don't have any networking relationship skills. It's true. And you can end up working for somebody that had D's and F's that has relationship networking skills. (laughs) Totally. Um, So did you get exposed to music in in school? Because your band, actually your band got you assigned when you were in school. Yeah. So my, my intro to music was just freestyling. Okay. I just was a freestyle rapper and uh, then learn how to make beats because no one had the patience to work at my speed. Okay. So I was forced to learn how to produce. And DJ too, right? You DJing? No. I'm, to be fair, like I have friends that DJed their whole life. Okay. I'm not a DJ, but that computer <laughs> with the auto sync, shit, I'm the best. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm so awesome because of the auto sync, man. Nobody can fuck with me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and back then, back then it was actually DJing before like computer stuff for sure. But yeah, so DJs, I'm not a DJ. I yeah. respect DJs too much. It's just that you can't believe everything you read on the internet. And I like to always like correct the uh, your what is that called? Your resume. So yeah. I'm not a DJ. I just DJ because the computer allows me to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, am I a musician? No. Quincy Jones, those cats, Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, those are musicians. I'm a computerist. I play the shit out of that computer. Gotcha. And the computer is my instrument. But I'm not a musician from that perspective. Um, and, the, and the first band was called, how would you pronounce it, at band? Yes, dude. Okay. So I, I'm, a, I'm a son of q-tip so Respect. every time i see quest. q-tip i'm like yo thank you so much bro i don't think you understand what you did for me just you existing and making music is the reason why i have the you know the life that i live now it's awesome so q-tip was a super inspiration to me and his group is a tribe called quest best so my first group was a tribe beyond a nation so awesome. so i was inspired by a tribe called quest and wu-tay clan so the name of the group is a tri- uh, at band clan that's right which is a tribe beyond a nation clan which is a <laughs> uh, we're a tribe and a clan and a nation <laughs> all put together. we were like a whole bunch of shit bro the native tongue style <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 what's the name of your group uh a tribe a tribe clan with the nation i <laughs> <laughs> shit was off paying like homage to everybody though one but, time. We, but we were like 16 we, we didn't know shit you guys in eighth grade or something right Oh, no, we were 10th graders going okay. to 11th grade okay. and came to school with like uh, a $10,000 check just bragging wow. like, yo, I'm signed. I got a deal. Ruthless Records. That's crazy, man. And NWA was like, you know, fuck the police. I had a song. I have a song with Eazy-E called Merry Motherfucking Christmas and yep. another one called Niggas and Jews. Wow. And um, yeah, so when you're, when you're doing that at 12th, in the 12th grade... It, it, it kind of affects you. It affects you. So I got, I was a little arrogant in the 12th mm. grade. My mom was like, boy, you need to study. I was like, mom, they ain't teaching me what I need to know. 
for my career. What's your, your career is to get to graduate. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only career you should be worried about. I was like, man, I already got a career. Look, I got a record deal. She's like, and nobody even told you you could sign a deal. You were 17 years old. I didn't sign no contract. Mm. I, didn't, I wasn't the guardian. I, you, I didn't show up to the courthouse. And Jerry Heller, um, I was like, he was like, yeah, little buddy. You know, we're really excited to have you here on Ruthless. I was like, he was like, you have an attorney? I was like, no, I don't. He was like, okay, I'll get you one. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Jerry, Jerry Heller got me an attorney, Robert Lieberman, who was his homie. And, um, but we didn't make any money, so we never came out. Yeah, so my memories of Jerry That's were not like bad ones. Yeah. Because he never fucked us to begin with. Like you get fucked when you make money and then you don't get, you know, your, your dues. You don't get yeah. what you owed. Totally. So we didn't, we never had that experience. So for me, it was just a learning one. And he passed, uh, he passed away before he came out. No, no, no. Easy. E passed away. Yeah, before, yeah. 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 But when I found out, like I asked easy, so he would take me out for my birthday every March the 18th. We would go wow. to this, uh, this restaurant in Calabasas called Monty's. Okay. Before Monty's burger. Yeah. Yeah, so we, 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 we would go there, and um, on March the 18th, 2000, sorry, March the 18th, 1995, um, Easy was in the hospital. Yeah. Because he passed away March 25th. Wow. So he was like, hey, Will, you know, um, when I get out of here, you know, we're going to go to Monty's again, but everybody's really excited about your video, Puzzle H2O. And, um, I was like, yeah, but easy. When are we going to come out? He was like, the reason why you're not out is because you're not my group. You're Jerry's group. Mm. And, um, but when I get out, I want to, you know, I'm going to get the company back. Yeah. And, um, but he never came out. Yeah, but, we, but we were Jerry's group. It's and heavy. Hence the reason why both, like we were signed before Bone. Yeah. And Bone came out before us, even though we were signed before them. You and guys were on the 50-50-150 compilation, right? That's Merry Motherfucking Christmas came out Yeah. On? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And your name was Will 1X? Yeah. I was super inspired <laughs> by, like, Malcolm X and shit. Sick. <laughs> but I used to, like, there was a, there was a guy by the, uh, there was a, a tagger by the name of Express. Okay. From CBS Crew. I don't know if you know about CBS Crew. Yeah, for sure. And so, in, in junior high school, I... You know, Express was dope. So I, I started tagging Expo. Okay. And so he was like, you, you, you're copying my X. I'm like, copying your X? So I switched my X up, <laughs> and I started spelling, like, um, Expo with just the X, not E-X. Gotcha. So I started, I, I just went X-P-O, Expo 1. And then I really liked KRS-One. Best. And I liked, you know, what, what I learned from Brand Nubian on great, Malcolm X and Sadat X. Yep. So I was like, you know, I'm changing my rap name to Will One X. It's awesome. First, it was Minister Will One X because I like Minister Pete Nice from freaking Third yeah, Base. Yeah, Third Base. Yeah. So man. I was like, Minister Will One X. <laughs> I was like, that's the ultimate rap name. <laughs> and um, so I just awesome. I just moved it to Will One X. And then one day I was like walking down the street and somebody was like, Yo, Expo. I was like, Shh. She's, and my mom was like. Are you the one writing all over these buses and the walls around here? I was like, mm. no, ma. I heard him call you Expo. I was like, ma, that ain't me. She's like, don't you be lying to me, boy. 
I was like, Mom, that's not me. <laughs> so why is your name Will One X? Wow. So I was like, Mom, that's just my rap name. And so I didn't like, <laughs> I didn't like, um, and think about it, like I was like 17. That's my crazy, mom, yeah. she was like 37. Wow. She's younger than me right now. Cr- yeah. You know, and uh, I just didn't like the fact that my name was different than what she called me. So I was like, one day I asked my mom, I was like, hey, mom, do you, do you think it'd be cool if I changed my rap name to Will I Am? Ooh, I like that. <laughs> That's clever. Did you have any brothers and sisters? Your brothers and sisters? Yeah, my mom had four of her own and then adopted four. Wow. Yeah. It's a big family, man. Yeah. And then how, how soon after, like, so that, that album Grassroots never came out? Never came out. And do you, do you have that somewhere? It could be leased one day or no? You have, like, you have owned it or anything? Okay, or no? so there's this, um, you know Pat Tenori? Pat what Tenori started a, a clothing line called Ruka. Oh, yeah, Ruka, yeah, yeah. So Seth introduced me to Pat when we were 17. Okay. And we used to go to this guy's name, Tommy Zung, in Venice to help him design because he had a, a clothing brand called Zung, which is like a, okay. skate, a skate surf clothing line. Yeah, yeah. And so Pat Tenori had a, um, a concert at his, at his uh, skate shop in, um, in uh, Huntington Beach, Laguna Beach, in like 1993. Okay. And he's like, yo, I, 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 want your, I want your group to perform, but give me a demo. I was like, a demo? I got no fucking demo. So I asked my homeboy if he could let me use his equipment so I could make a demo. Gross job. But he didn't allow me to make a recording. Okay. So I snuck a recording and I gave it to Pat Tenori for us to play this, um, his show. Okay. Now that was 1993, wow. bro. Damn. S- summer. Sorry. That was summer of 92. Cause then the next year we were in high school. So that was summer of 92. Yeah. Now fast forward <laughs> to summer of 2019. Okay. I'm eating at crossroads. Shout out to tall. What up tall? Eating at crossroads. And I get a phone call from another friend of that I went to high school with named Pasquale. Okay. Pasquale started this big festival called Electric Daisy Carnival. Heard of that? So he calls me up. He was like, yo, Will, check this out. Plays me. I'm like, yo, where the fuck did you get that from? Holy he was shit. like, oh, a friend of mine uh, was going through his mom's closet in Orange County and found this demo. Wow. I'm like, wait. Ask your friend if he knows Pat Tenori. He's like, yeah, that's Pat Tenori's cousin. Holy shit. So a demo that I was not supposed to record from 1992 shows up. That's crazy, In Pasquale's living room, summer of 2019. Wow. So that's the only, that's like pre-at-band grassroots album. Yeah. yeah, All the songs that it took to get that album. Yeah. Now now he was like, well, I don't want to hold, I don't, the only person I think should have this is you. So here you go. That's awesome. So you actually have it. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you listen to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you like it? We were, we were, we thought we were really good. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters. That's all you need. You yeah, gotta yeah, yeah. believe that that shit is dope. And then li- years later, you'll be like, yo, this shit sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we um, thought that shit was the hottest shit, bro. <laughs> So did you guys stay? So after the label, you were with um, um, fuck man, the black the black eye pods that started soon after that. No, we were we were never the black eye pods. 
We were black eyed peas, and then we would throw our own parties at Gra- Dragonfly on Sunset. Oh shit! Okay, and those are called peapods. Ah, interesting. Yeah, so back back in um, 1996 and seven. Yep. We would just play all around L.A. and be like, "Yo, come to the peapod." Got gotcha. you. We're doing black eyed peas. We're doing a peapod at Dragonfly. We're doing a peapod at um, Fate Odo on uh, Adams and La Brea. We're doing a peapod at um, Martini Lounge. Oh yeah, Martini Lounge. I'm in that spot. Yeah. But yeah. now it's apartments, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 We just to play all over LA and shit. So did you graduate? So did you already graduate from high school when the Black Eyed Peas started? Or was that something you started in school? No. So we were in At Band Clan when we graduated. Okay. Wow. We started Black Eyed Peas in '95. Wow. The summer that Easy passed away. Summer 1995. Easy passed away in March. We started Black Eyed Peas in summer '95. And did you did you want to do music? That's that's that was your focus as soon as you got out of high school. Is that was that your goal or? Yeah. So I didn't graduate high school. Mm. Okay. So the guy that I started the group with, he was adopted. And then brought to America. And um, he didn't know English when he came in 1989. And so we became best friends. And he kind of like saved my life. Because had he not come to America, I would have just been stuck in the hood. I never yeah. would have met Seth. Yeah. No, I would have met Seth. But I probably never would have wanted to go to Hollywood clubs. Yeah. And because of that, I probably just would have stayed with my East LA friends at Palisades. I never mm-hmm. would have like Span- had the desire. Yeah. So he he's he mastered English because he had ESL at Marshall. He went to school with Leonardo DiCaprio. So him and Leo were in photo class together. Wow. And so um I went to see him graduate. So I ditched my, I ditched because I knew I wasn't going to graduate on stage. Yeah. Because I just wasn't showing up to school because I would ditch school and go hang out with Stephen Gordy, um, Barry Gordy's son, wow. who started the group LMFAO. Mm-hmm. But I signed, I signed those guys to my label. So when I was in high school, I was like, yo, Stefan, give this to your dad. I was always trying to get a deal. It's awesome, man. Hustling, man. So Stefan's like, well, my dad's not going to take me serious. <laughs> I was like, why don't you tell your dad to get you some music equipment for Christmas or something? Yeah. So Stefan got music equipment. Then I would ditch and go to his house and record. So our first album was uh, done in his bedroom. Wow. As well as Brian Austin Green's and um, the guy <laughs> from Blood Abraham's. So that's what got us our deal. Okay. But I didn't graduate high school because I went to, I ditched school to go see Apple graduate. Gotcha. So Apple's like, yo, what are you doing here? I was like, I came to see you graduate, dude. <laughs> he was like, what about your graduation? I was like, bro, we're, we're going to graduate when we get a deal. Mm. I was like, no, I said, why do we need to graduate? We already got a deal. I was just so like focused Yeah, man. at like 18 years old. Like, this is what it is, bro. We're already on our path. Was your mom super supportive of that at a young age? She was concerned. She was concerned that I didn't. Um, she had to have been concerned yeah. when I'm 18 years old and, you know, finding out your son's ditching. Yeah. I came home one year. I remember it was March the 
It was March the 18th, the day that I was supposed to go to dinner with Easy on my birthday. Wow, man. March 18th, I came home, like, in a panic. She's like, what was wrong with you? I was smoking weed. <laughs> and she was like, what in the hell? I'm like, I'm smoking weed, ma. And I, my heart doesn't stop beating. She's like, your heart's supposed to be no mom, but it can't slow down. I just wanted to, I just wanted to slow down. I wanted to stop. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so she was like, call your grandma. So my grandma came and like ran bath, oh, yeah. put all, put like, oil, like got the olive oil and like blessed me. I'm like, oh, I was like being possessed. Holy like shit. my grandma's praying over me. Like, oh shit. That even caused me to panic even more. Yeah, totally. So I'm yeah. like, oh, I just wanted to stop. And that's the reason why I don't smoke weed today, bro. Wow. Scared you straight from the yeah, Shit, yeah. I ain't smoked weed since 1993, March 18th, bro. Holy shit. 2 p.m. I remember the fucking time, man. <laughs> it was like 2, bro. It was 2 o'clock. Wow. Holy shit. So you never did it after that? Fuck that. Wow, man. The panic is like, I'd never want to have that panic. Fuck that. Fuck. All right. So, so you get your, is your first deal Interscope for Black Eyed Peas? Yeah. We, wow. We got so many offers. Happy Walters from Immortal. Mm -hmm. I remember the name. Uh, Paul, Paul, Peter Kupke from London. Um, um, Alan, Alan from, uh, from V2. V2. Remember that Virgin? Yeah. Um, uh, Russ at Warner's. Polly Anthony, rest in peace from Epic. Yeah, remember too. And they all offered us like, because we had like a buzz going around LA. Yeah. Because our whole vision was like, yo, let's play, let's rock all the colleges. Mm -hmm. If we could play Dominguez Hills, UCLA, USC, Northridge, Cal State LA, let's play freaking like Santa Monica College. If we could get all these colleges and we own the colleges, like, yo, we're going to be on the map. That's when we started doing Peapods and all the college girls used to Smart, come. Smart, man. Smart. Gabrielle Union, her real name is Nikki. She was like one of our first fans that would come and bring wow. like people to our show. Yeah. And so we got we, Happy Walters offered us like 25 grand. We were like, yo, 25 G's, bro. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and so, so then 25 turned into like Peter Cupkey at London offered us like 60. We we're like, yo, 60 fucking G's. That's crazy. Then 60 turned into like 100. Like, yo, it's almost a million back then. Yeah, that's crazy. So then 100 turned into 200. Um, Bidding wars and shit. Al, his name is Al. I, I, the last name will come. So Al from V2 offered us 250. Dang. Then Warner's offered us 300. Then Sony offered us 500. I'm sorry, 400. Then Jimmy offered us 450. Then, um, then uh, London offered us 600. So I'm like, yo, you offered us 30. How do you go from 30 to 600? Yeah, that's crazy. He's like, because we really want the black eyed peas. So Polly Anthony at Epic offered us a million two hundred thousand dollars. Holy shit. So Jimmy's like, look, let me tell you something, Will. What you're doing now, this is dangerous. Because you got this bidding war going. And now it's going to force the record company to see you as a money-making band. And the mm. moment you guys don't sell records... With that type of advancement, you're never going to develop. Mm. So if you sign an Interscope for $450,000, and that's still a shit ton of money, 
A group like yours should not be getting $450,000 for the first advance. But because that's what you guys created, I'll sign you guys for $450,000. And I promise you, no matter how many records you sell, you could always make records or Interscope. Wow. It's up to you. So I'm like, so the, the guys were like, yo, a million two hundred thousand. It's crazy. We'll be millionaires. I was like, yo, guys, we're not gonna be millionaires. Yeah. But let's take that five let's go with Jimmy. They're like, are you sure? Longevity. I was like, yo, he said we could always make fucking records. We were gonna sign with Happy Walters for fucking twenty thousand dollars. We thought yeah. that shit was a lot of money. We already splitting up fucking gas money. How much? <laughs> who's getting fucking taco nights at Jack in a Box? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking Jumbo Jack deals. Like, we already knew what we were going to do with 20 G's, bro. We were going to go to fucking thrift stores in San Pedro and go shopping because that's where all the old people were at. Mm-hmm. And you get some awesome fucking clothes in San Pedro because <laughs> a lot of old people were there, bro. They, you, yeah, they, yeah. you get fly shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we, got, we went with Interscope. Okay. For 450 and he was absolutely right. He kept his promise. First yeah. record, kind of sold. Second record, kind of sold. Third record, that's when he was like, Will, I need you to turn in the score. Make the score? Your first record sold more than Fuji's. And I think you could do that. Somebody needs to push you. I'm like, the score, Jimmy? Compete. Yeah. Figure it out. So... I was like, it's a great record to score, yeah. I'm like, fuck, all right. <laughs> Their song was killing me softly. That's what made them the Fugees. Let me go see what I could flip. <laughs> and then, like, Sorry Miss Jackson blew up. And then, yeah. like, There is a Light that shot. I'm like, yo, these songs are on the radio. Like, groups that are like us. Yeah. And then there's, like, The Roots and then Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul. Like, which path do you take? Yeah. Do you take the outcast, sorry, Miss Jackson path? Do you take the freaking Midnight Marauders path? The Low End Theory path? Do I want to be Dinko D? Do I want to be, you know, Vinny? Do I want to be, you know, do I want to be the Bushwhackers? <laughs> or do I, do I want to be LL Cool J? Yeah. For, like, what, what do you want to be? Because a lot of times, like, Writing raps for rappers, that's a fucking rap. Mm-hmm. You don't have a, you can't sustain a career only on bars of bars alone. Sure. Like, and I really sometimes think like there was like um there's this mentality of like uh success is frowned upon, mm-hmm. and I think that's a trap for for people of color because. As if MC Hammer did a crime for being huge as fuck. As if Kid and Play were criminals for be having a cartoon. Yeah. Like if you really care about, <clears throat> and I love Public Enemy. Like do you are you do you Kid and Play it? Do you Public Enemy it? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm gonna Kid and Play this shit, and then I'm gonna make all this money, and I'm gonna go back to my neighborhood. Instead of talking about my neighborhood, I'm going to go back to my neighborhood. It's awesome. Like, because you could talk about it. Yeah. You could talk about like, yo, we need to do this. But you're just waiting for somebody to do something and change something. Mm-hmm. Or you could put your, you could put yourself in a position of power and change it yourself. Totally. And you only do that with success. So that's why I feel like this whole setup of like 
people of color should not be in positions of power through their art is a fucking mind fuck. Mm -hmm. That's a fucking like three dimensional chess move. Yeah. Where they psychologically put it in you that you're not supposed to do art and have success. You can have successful art. Yes. You can have like integrity and business. You could have like, you know, you could have like um, prog- artistic progression and profitability. Mm-hmm. And it's the ones that people frowned upon are the ones that were not in charge and they were just puppets. And that's when, that's where I think people get confused what whack is and what like um, the way is. Like there's a way to be successful and be the architect. And then the ones that people frown upon and X out are the puppets that didn't do anything. They just were like, yeah, you know, somebody was pulling the strings. Yeah, totally. So with Jimmy, Jimmy was like, whatever you want to do, you (laughs) do it. So, and that's what I really take pride of that part of the university that I was a part of, Mm -hmm. you know, that Jimmy school. Yeah. You know, Dre, Trent Reznor, um, myself, Gwen, like he, he signed architects. Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while he would sign a, a, a person that you need, they need writers and producers, mm-hmm. but most of Jimmy's signings were the ones that were self-sufficient through and through. Yeah. From brand Bible building to hook writing, beat making, you know, video concepts, stage performance, the whole thing. He, 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 he signed art, entrepreneurs, like artists that were entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. New word. Bigger than music and want to do more than music. I think, didn't Trent help build like Apple Music too? Was he part of that? Yeah, there was three of us. Yeah. Uh, It was outside of Jimmy Dre's relationship. Myself, sorry, Trent Reznor. Yes. Um, myself and um, this guy by the name of Larry Jackson. He was an artist, but he was an executive that Jimmy brought into the fold. Okay. And then the guy that came from Nike, Omar. Um, but Trent Reznor, I think Trent Reznor, it was his idea for Moog. Um, it was like a, a platform that existed that uh, Beats acquired. Okay. That turned into Beats Music that then turned into Apple Music. Yeah. And um, Trent was there from the beginning to uh, to the beginning of Apple Music. I mean, Trent was there from the beginning of Beats Music. Beats Music, yeah. Um, I was there from the beginning of Beats Hardware with Dre. <clears throat> yeah, that's amazing. Um, so jo- Joints and Jam was the first single that kind of hit on the first record. Yeah, so there was this meeting that we had with this dude by the name of uh, Big John from EMI. You know this dude? No. So Big John is like this, you know, awesome character persona in the music industry, urban music. And we had a meeting with him um, when we were trying to get a deal. Yeah. And uh, I played him all of our demos. He was like, I can't say your stuff is whack. You, you know how to rap. Your beats... The beats are all right. They're real moody and vibey. I, I could see your influences with Tribe. He just will, but your songs aren't tangible. I was like, tangible? All right. All right. 
So what does that mean? He's like, give me something tangible and we could talk later. I'm like, cool. I don't know what the fuck tangible meant, right? I'm like, yo, what the fuck is tangible, bro? Is that a subliminal diss? And and back then, you couldn't just go on the internet and check and be like, yo, what is the definition of tangible? Had to go home, get the dictionary, look that shit up. I'm like, tangible, something with a handle? Something you could hold. So I was like, oh, this motherfucker wants hooks? And that's when, from that moment on, I changed how I wrote. Okay. It was that moment where I was like, I need to write hooks. And so Joints and Jams was the first song that I wrote that was my, like, here's something fucking tangible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) How about this fucking hook? (laughs) You know, so, and from that, I I just wanted to write the best hooks Mm -hmm. instead of, because I could rap, I could freestyle, I could battle rap. But I wanted a career. Yeah, exactly. So I had to force myself how to learn choruses, how to learn to write choruses. What was your inspiration for that besides what he said, like with this artist you were listening to, other than what we mentioned earlier, for like the hooks and the choruses? It was more like maybe on a pop pop tip too, though, huh? For no, that that's the joint. That's the gym. Turn that shit up. Play it again. again. Yeah. That chorus is like my interpretation of like... Um, Hey, how you doing? Sorry, Sorry I can't, I can't get, get, through. get through. Why, Why don't you leave your name, name and your number, and then I'll get back to you. Like to me, shit. Yeah. De La Soul wrote that their their architecture was like, and these are rap songs. Like, yeah, five days of work, one whole day to play. Yeah, come on, everybody, lay your roller skates away. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Yeah. like that's like, yo, that's chill true. to this day. That chorus is like, yo, what a fucking awesome chorus that so is. So catchy. So, and that was the only record they had like that. That was like, De La Soul is dead. Mm-hmm. To me, is my favorite. That's the blueprint to me. Okay. And my songwriting. Gotcha. It makes so, sense now, too, when you said that. I'm thinking about it. It totally makes sense. I get the connection. Yeah. And then, um, and then even Jungle Brothers. Uh, Great. Uh, oh, what's another? Uh, one Jungle Brothers song that they have that's like, Trying to think of um, the record. The record was great too. Um, um, Jungle Brothers, Jungle Brothers. Oh, what well, is they the just one. Um, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah they're talking about. Remember yeah. Jungle Brothers? You make me sweat. Ow! You make me work. Ow! You make my body wanna call. Do the jerk. Uh. Yeah. That whole thing is like very sing-songy. Girl, yeah. Off my back. Gotta know what to act. Jungle Brothers are too wild. This shit, you got my style. Like that whole flow mm-hmm. and their sense of rhythm and pockets. Yeah. And it's not like super lyrical. It's not like hard. No. Like somebody was like, yo, Black Eyed Peas, what, are you, what is the blueprint that you followed? I'm like, oh, Jungle Brothers, Done by the Forces of Nature. Damn. And um, Tribe Called, I mean, De La So's, De La So is dead. What about Tribe Called Quest? Did you follow their blueprint? Not really. If there's a song, it would be like, uh, you on point tip all the time, Five. Just that back Great. and forth. That's it. Yeah. But other than that, I, I just love a Tribe Called Quest. Love them. But as far as their songwriting, De La Soul songwriting. 
on okay. that on De La Soul's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Diggable Planets, the best fucking album ever made. Yes, like it's a great that, album. The first album was like every song, the skits weren't too long. Yeah, all the things were in key. Even when I listen to it now, I'm like, yo, that's a masterpiece. If I listen to like other hip hop records, like far. Even Far Sides, she keeps on passing me by. Great. Like, wow, that's a fucking great hip hop song. Great you know, song. Can't running keep too. running away. Dude. Like, wow, that's a good hip hop song. The DMC sample so good, man. Like, it's an awesome, awesome songwriting. And I don't think they realize just how international mm. those songs are if they work them that way. Yeah. And so it's like, that's and it breaks point. my heart that like. Man, they never did arenas by themselves. Tribe, Digala, all of them goose. Like, yo, easy, they man. never got to stadiums? Yeah. Like, so true. Oh, fuck. Like, what? All my blueprinting, their blueprints that helped build me. Like, yo, we play stadiums. Yeah, I know. Oh, shit. My heroes never got there? It's the same thing you say about punk rock bands, too, that we love that never did that, but they had so much inspiration. You know what I mean? Like, I would love to see the Bad Brains and the arena. And they're like the big inspiration, Ramones, all that, you know, it's true. But to that point, like being thrown on the Warp Tour. I was about to talk about that. In 1998. Yeah, man. I was on that shit. Yeah. Being thrown into that was like, it's like if they had to do like a, 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 a biopic story of the Black Eyed Peas, they couldn't do it reality. They would have to throw us to some different planet and that throwing us to a different planet and having to fit in with the locals is really what it felt like doing the warp tour. Yeah. You guys held your own though. Yeah. We were getting, th- we were, they were throwing piss bottles at us. I know. Especially when you go to like, to like the South the South is yes. And it's punk. And some of them are skinheads. <laughs> and then here comes like some weird, like to the left, left of center, black kids. You're getting fucking piss bottles thrown at you. But people had your back and all the bands had your back on there. Yo, bro. dude, Slipknot was like, Slipknot was the awesomest. Suicidal <laughs> Tennessee's like then so cool. fast forward, Black Eyed Peas had to open up for Metallica. Holy shit! And the bass player from Metallica was in freaking uh, Suicidal Tennessee's infectious grooves, all that. Yeah. So he was like, he had to tell the the cats from freaking Metallica like, "Yo, Black Eyed Peas, they can hold their own. Sick. They toured with us and on uh, the Warp Tour when it was in <laughs> Suicidal Tennessee's." So. So cool, man. That kind of like bridge, like, yo, we open up for fucking Metallica. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we already endured like piss bottles, skinhead audiences, and survived it. And it yeah. was beautiful. And I think everybody needs to be able to experience that. If you're only in playing in front of people that are like a part of your tribe, to the converted, you're yeah. never learning. Facts. You got to be able to go out to like, the opposite and yeah like and you gotta like playing in front of like some audiences where skinheads were there they're teenagers and 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 some of them grow up and they grow out of that phase and some of them stay in it just like some people grow up gangsters and some people like grow out of it Mm -hmm. but you cannot deny culture exchange and that to me that shit was fucking beautiful bro Going to freaking like middle America, skinheads there, and and touring and having that barbecue after every like what that was like some beautiful every like night, yeah. amazing memories. Mm-hmm. 
It was such a family, such a community. Yeah, I think Travis played drums with you guys. I think too on that. Yeah, that's when we that's when we met Travis and got real thick with Travis. Yeah, Deftones was on there. Rancid. Yeah, about religion. That shit was dope. That's El, a sick line. And uh, uh, who else was on it? Um, Ice Cube was on. Ice T was on it that year with us too. He was. That's right. Yeah. Ice T was on there. That shit was dope. That that was a really good diverse package, man. That was like one of my best memories of touring. That's awesome. We had a fucked up tour bus. <laughs> like our shit had no air conditioning. Damn. But it was our it was our the second tour bus we were ever in. So wow. it was like, yo, we got a tour bus. That shit was dope. Staying at Red Roofs and freaking like Hojo's. <laughs> that shit was dope, bro. It like, was cool, yeah. It's like Playing a different crowd and winning them over too, that's such a great feeling. That's why I like the Warp Tour is such diverse bands. I saw Eminem get booed a bunch on that. Even yeah. in Detroit, I was on that tour. It was crazy, man. Yeah. So Eminem had a hard... We, for some reason, like, he had a harder time than us. Mm-hmm. Like, because we were a band. Exactly. And we could, like, read the audience. Exactly. Like, and, like, I learned how to conduct the band on that tour. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, I could... Yo, Bring it down. <laughs> right, pick it up, pick it up. Oh shit, the fucking crowd's reacting, bro. Like, it's <laughs> so cool. You learn. I'm like, wow, things you learn. I learned so much on that tour, watching other folks, mm-hmm. seeing Blink 182. Like, oh, what the fuck? Look at how they fucking go. Like, Blink 182, there were, what was like their second album? On 98? It might have been, yeah. I don't know if that was the big one. Was it the big one? Enemy of the State? I'm not sure which one it was. But they, they got to arena level. Totally. They they got to that level. Like that shit was dope. MTV was like equivalent to Instagram, TikTok. Yeah. Like Facebook. Like MTV <laughs> was the religion, bro. That was like Yeah. No social media back then. None of that shit. That shit was like TRL was like you make it on TRL. We're seeing Blink one eighty two get there. It was like, yo, they made it there. Mm-hmm. And then seeing Eminem get there after like he had a tough time on the tour. Yep. Told us like, okay, Blink one eighty two got there, they loved him. Eminem got there. They hated him. Oh, shit. We going to get there. Because <laughs> yeah. that means there's no law. There's mm-hmm. no rules. No rules. It's just ethics and like work ethics and just being, having that tenacity. Well, there's, there's a thing about bands on the Warp Tour. It's like, it's not an ongoing, just a fact that like after that tour, they get bigger. Like you guys, Eminem blew up after that. Limp Bizkit blew up. Some 41. There's tons of bands who were playing like a different, like a flatbed truck on that tour. And then next up, Kid Rock was on there getting booed. He fucking huge. Like it happens, man, from that. Yeah. It's Katy Perry was on the Warp Tour back in the day. Yeah, man. She was on there. Yeah. So many bands came through there. So after that, um, Bridging the Gap came out. Correct? Yeah, Bridging the Gap came out. Remember I said we were like a college, we started off in colleges? Yeah. Um, well, that fan base got all our music for free because of Napster. That's right. Napster <laughs> so, came out. <laughs> so we were like, yo. Up so they could take it for free. Yo, stuff, stuff. Some, some brilliant idea when all of our freaking fans now got our album for free. Mm-hmm. Napster, so, that's right. That changed everything, man. And it was around that time where I met Sean Fanning. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to... Everyone started like suing the Bay. And I... I, I want to understand the Bay. So meeting Sean and, and being friendly with him and understanding like, and that's why today if somebody was like, yo, I got your song on the internet. Um, I have this love hate relationship with piracy, but I love it. Okay. 
Because if somebody decides not to listen to your shit, that's worse than stealing your shit. 100%. They have an opportunity to download your shit for free and they choose not to. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, damn. Really? You want to take it for free? Yeah. <laughs> Give it away. Yeah, it's like a diss. It's like, oh, shit. We not listen to it that way. Yeah, it's a good point. So, because uh, re- we realized that, like, our, 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 we sold less albums, but we went from doing one house of blues to doing three house of blues. Sick. And then, and then quickly moved from three house of blues to two Greeks. Wow. And then moved from th- two Greeks to like, uh, we stayed at two Greeks for a minute, like from 19, from 2004 to 2008. Damn. We were, no, no, I'm sorry. From 2004 to 2007, we were two Greek in it. Okay. And then from 2008, we went to stable, being able to do two stables. And then from there, we can do... Um, a Dodger Stadium or a Rose Bowl. Wow. And in man. France, we got to three Rose Bowls Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Wow, man. Which album was that on? The End. Okay, The End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it took us from like... So, but Bridging a Gap taught us that. Mm-hmm. And then the fear of getting dropped in 2002 after 9-11. Yeah. So 9-11, we went on tour on, on September 12th, the day after 9-11. And then um, and we were like telling our manager, like, yo, who in the fuck puts their band on tour after the planes went through buildings, bro? Like, there's Orange Alerts, Red, there's new shit. Orange Alerts, Red Alerts. Like, how are we going to go on tour? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, if you guys don't go on tour, you guys, we're, we're going to get sued because there's states that, that are not, not uh, having concerts, like Portland and Seattle. Yeah. So we went on tour and the day after the tour, we wrote, where's love. Wow. Yeah. Game changer. Cause that's what, that's what the world felt. That's what America felt like. Yeah. It was like one of those songs. Like we, we were in the studio all day and then the, um, our keyboard is like, yo, you want to do one more? I'm like, fuck it. Let's go. Like what you got? Let's try to do this one in 30 minutes. Cause I want to go, I want to go to the club. <laughs> he was like, For that so- song. Wow. He was like, man. how about, so he put the chords in and it's basic, you know, the, the magical chords. Yeah. So that's why it was 30 minutes. Like, you know, how yeah. about these chords? Yeah. And then like, he had to like come up with something. It was no invention in the chords. That's like your standard big song chord. Yeah. So then I got on the mic and just mumbled like, uh, the post hook. Cause the, the first hook was just the post. Where is the love? Where is the love? Where is the love? The love? The love? That was the hook at first. That's all he okay. did was that. And then I had like, what's wrong with the real mama? Touch some, 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 some. And that, I just mumbled, you know, the rest of the song. And yeah. that was like the, the ingredients. Mm-hmm. Like, what's wrong with the world, mama? Some, 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 Where is the love? The love? <laughs> I was like, all right, we got it. Let's go to the club. <laughs> so came back the next day. I was like, yo, this, there's something here. So then that, then the next day we put, um, yeah, the and the thing that inspired that 
was uh because we bad boys for life wow so that that to me that song was hot then i was like oh shit so i was like totally different vibe that's not even as hardcore as that one yeah i just wanted to have something that had like inspired by it so i went in the studio i was like yo you know that one puffy song because to me that's like oh that sounds like something that's gonna rock the crowd totally like if you if you're a guitarist or your band and you go you just finish your song and the crowd's like the guys are right feeling out there all right all right, all right we got something for you y'all, y'all want some more and you look to your guitarist and you like give him that nod and he's like, dan dan. Everybody's like, oh shit, I go crazy. <laughs> and you'd be like, no, stop, wait, 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 y'all ain't ready for that shit. <laughs> Hit him again, he's like, dan dan. <laughs> <laughs> and then like you give him like this signal, and then that means dan dan and they just fucking pedal on that ticka 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 ticka. Where the fuck you at? Where the fuck you at? They fucking go ballistics. So you know the ingredients of what works when you're in the audience. So I was like, okay, yo, that shit works in the audience. And we know what to do with things like that. So let's go. Just so if we ever wanted to play, if, if we ever have a show and we need to extend it. Totally. And the, and the manager's like, you got 20 more minutes. This is the last song. Extend it. <laughs> you need fucking material to fucking stretch your show. Totally, man. So writing those songs, when you're writing the studio, writing the songs, you know you're writing them for all the different occasions of playing. Yeah. yeah. So, bam, boom, boom, bam, 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 bam gives you beats so even on like on let's get it started it's like so i was that i was really influenced by we ain't nowhere we ain't so the beginning let's get it started is and the bass keeps and the bass keeps running running and running Everybody going on that warp tour, seeing what the how the fucking crowd yeah, goes. That's awesome, man. Then when we started writing the album for Elefunk, after we learned from like bridging the gaps and the collapse because of Napster, it's like, yo, yo, we gotta make fucking songs that we could tour, mm-hmm. and we gotta write the songs that can translate to a band, because what we learned from warp tour was like songs. That when you play them with the band, they still sound like the recording. Yeah. Because what doesn't translate is like you have a band and then they come and they play the version of the song that everybody and they don't even fucking sound the same. It's the worst. It's like you have this dope ass fucking record. Then they think that you need to get a band. And then it's like, yo, what the fuck song is that, bro? That don't even sound the same, dude. It's so it might as well just fucking have a DJ. Yeah. But if you could fucking like have a band and the, and you have the fucking freedom of like 
breaking it down and extending it and making it fucking song come to life and every day is a different song. You have to write the song. You have to fucking pick like the instruments when you're recording the song. Like, yeah. yo, we have a problem, guys. What? I got a feeling doesn't sound good with the band. Shit. So what are we going to do? We made this because we're inspired by fucking DJs. I don't know what we do. Why don't we bring a DJ so when we come into this section of the show, the band goes take a rest and we DJ the rest of the fuck for this particular album. Mm-hmm. So so we did that. And then we started adding the band and but making sure the kick is, you know, club kick and not like, you know, Tama kick. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. doesn't feel the same. Yeah. So did that before... Did that song come out before Ella Funk? Where? Where's the love? Did that was the single drop before you dropped the album? Yeah. Yeah. I think did you have more than one single for that before the album dropped, or was this the first one? That was the first that one. Because everybody we were afraid that we were gonna get dropped. <laughs> and there was this like there was this guy, um, DJ Dusk, rest in peace, from uh like the Breakestra and like Root Down. Okay. There was this club in LA, like this at that point in time in two thousand and two, like Black Eyed Peas, we were like an underground LA group. Yeah. And then I met this girl and she was like, Yo, we need to go to these Hollywood clubs like Los Palmas and freaking like Joseph's and A D. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't wanna fuck around with no bougie clubs. I like going to the like the jazz the jazz spots and like Silver Lake and shit. Yeah. And they're like, No, you can network over here at these at these Hollywood clubs. So Elefunk is totally different than monkey business only because the clubs we were going to. Okay. And so I met, I met, um, I met up with Pharrell and he, he was like, yo, what's up? Play me that new black IP shit. So I played him. Let's get it started. And where's the love. And I was working on Stacy's at the time. Her name was Stacy. She wasn't Fergie then. Yeah. I was working on her demo and I wanted to sign Stacy to Star Trek. Okay. And so I was like, yo, for real, there's this girl I'm working on. I'd love to, you know, sign her to Star Trek. So I played him. I played him the stuff. And yeah. in watched Jimmy Iving. He's like, well, where's the new Black Eyed Peas album? I'm like, you haven't, <laughs> you haven't heard it? And the reason why Jimmy hadn't heard it is because we switched A&R departments. Okay. Because we started getting rumors that Steve Stout wanted to drop the Black Eyed Peas. So we, uh, I asked Jimmy if they could switch us. To Ron Fair. He's like, well, Ron doesn't know hip hop. What do you want to go over there with Ron for? I was like, because he did that Ichi, Ichi Gichi Ya 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 song. That's pretty dope with like mm. Lil' Kim and those folks. I know, Will, but that's a pop song. You guys are like Tribe Called Quest. You guys are like, I signed you guys. You got, you got, a, why you want to go over there with Ron? What's wrong with Steve Stout? He's ahead of black music. I was like, yeah, I'd rather go with Ron who doesn't know hip-hop than be with someone who understands hip-hop only from their perspective and stifles what hip-hop should and could be. Gotcha. All right. Well, if you want to go with Ron, great. So he let us switch A&R departments. So then Ron says, you only could work with me if... I only work with you if you sever your relationship with Jimmy as far as, like, you make a song, give it to Jimmy. Obviously, that hasn't worked, so let me vet what songs go to Jimmy. I was like, cool, you got it. All right, that sounds yeah. cool. So he was never giving the songs of Jimmy. We turn in Where's the Love, that's not a hit. Turn in Let's Get It Started, that's not a hit. We got trapped in that whole, like, they didn't think it were, they were hits. 
Wow. Because Jimmy in the marketing meeting said, Black Eyed Peas needs to try to do the score. So now everyone obsessed on that. Yeah. got like freaking like afraid and, and were super judgmental and critical on the songs we were writing. Okay. So it took a Pharrell to tell Jimmy, yo, this Black Eyed Peas new shit, you need to check this out. So then Jimmy came and was like, Will, how come I ever heard this stuff? I'm like, Ron wasn't playing it for you? You know what, Will? You want to sign the girl to Pharrell? Yeah. Why? Because she's she's amazing. Why don't you put her in the group mm-hmm. and sign her to your label? I was like, I don't have a label. Now you do. Wow. And so he gave me my label. We signed Stacy to my label and then put Fergie and Stacy in the group so we could develop her career. And Fergie joins the Black Eyed Peas. Wow. So that's how it went down. That's Jimmy. Yeah, that's how it went down. So, and then you produce her record, right? In 2006? Yeah. And that, that record was... We, to, we did it on the, the on tour. Yeah. We, to, we did it on tour. And then we did a big Pepsi campaign. They, and Black Eyed Peas, like... So we launched iPods and iTunes with Hey Mama. Yeah. And then that took Black Eyed Peas to a totally different level. And then we did the NBA campaign with Let's Get Started. That took Black Eyed Peas to a totally different level. And then we did Monkey Business, and that, that's when I was, like, super stressed. Like, oh, shit, now I got to make hits hits. Because mm-hmm. we, we accomplished the score thing. Yeah. And the score, they only was one. They didn't follow it up. No. I was like, damn, man, there's no blueprint on a follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> you make your own, yeah. So I'm like, wait a second. So this whole time I've been, um, Trap Call Quest is our blueprint. The score was our blueprint. And after the score, there is no blueprint. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck, okay. So, so we write, so Jimmy plays me this song, Don't Ya. So, sorry. So, no, so before we put um, Fergie in the group, I wanted Nicole to be in our group. Yep. And Nicole that. was like dating Nick Hexum from 311. Shit. Okay. Who was and, on the Warp Tour too, yeah. Yeah. So Nick didn't want Nicole to be in our group. Mm. So he blocked it. So then Black Eyed Pea blows up. So then Nicole's like, well, I should have listened to you. should have been in the group. There's this group that there's this audition. Can you help me get in this audition? So I, I got her to join the Pussycat, Pussycat Dolls. Dolls yeah. And so then Jimmy plays me this song. He's like, well, you got to listen to this song. So he plays it to me. I'm like, it was like, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot? I'm like, yo, Jimmy, that's a fucking smash. Mm-hmm. He's like, you should, you should want to be on this album, Will. Make, make a song for Nicole, for the, for the dolls. So I write my humps. So I write my humps, my humps for the girls. So I was like, oh, hell no. I need a fucking hit. Mm-hmm. So I kept my, I kept my hump for the peas. I'm like, Ferg, you need to sing this shit. She was like, I don't rap. I don't know. I'm like, Ferg, fucking sing this song. This is our hit. So then I was like, I needed to make sure we had the, the goods. Yeah. So I did like Don't Funk With My Heart, did yeah. Don't Lie, and all these other songs. Then we have a comeback. So because we had that comeback, then Pepsi's like, yo, we want you to be, you know, our Pepsi artist of the year. We want to give you the same campaign we gave to Britney and Christina Aguilera and Michael Jackson. I'm like, yeah, but those are just one. Like there's four of us. So if you, the money you gave Britney, 
we gotta split that shit. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I was like, how much money do you give them? Mm-hmm. So they told us. I was like, well, we're four people, so that ain't that much money for us. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the time I was, I've always managed the peas. I always yeah. like was in the meetings and so. And the, her, the lady's name is Ellen Hilly. Still talk to Ellen today. Okay. And so they were like, well, I was like, I got an idea. This is 2006, seven, before YouTube. Before YouTube. Um, what if we make an unfinished song, put it on the internet, and let our fans complete it, and in the areas where the winner is, they open up for us in that city. Wow. So Pepsi's like, we love that. Fucking awesome. But in order to afford this, do you mind working with all of PepsiCo globally? I was like, what's PepsiCo? Well, PepsiCo is what's owned Pepsi. And PepsiCo is Doritos, um, Lay's, Walker, I mean, uh, Lay's, Walker's, and Gatorade. And if you want to work with PepsiCo, we can afford to pay the peas. This would be the biggest thing we've ever done. This okay. would be bigger than Michael Jackson's deal. I was like, hell yeah, let's do that shit. <laughs> So we did this huge like global Pepsi campaign outside of America. So we did like a Dorito. We had like Doritos flavors. Like we had our HP had its like Doritos flavor and shit. Sick. We were like on Pepsi products, Gatorade products. The shit was huge. Damn. That's when we started playing like stadiums in Central and South America, and that's when we went to Czech Republic and Slovakia and Poland and Hungary, Lithuania. Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan and freaking Azerbaijan. Like, we went everywhere, bro. Yeah. Mongolia and Taiwan and fucking Laos. I'm sorry. Thailand and Indonesia and Taiwan. Like, we went everywhere wow. on that Pepsi tour. And that's what I think burnt Fergie out. Mm-hmm. That 2007 tour. Okay. So in 2008, she took a long, a 2008 break. Yeah. And so that's when I was like, a campaigning for Obama, did the Yes We Can song. Yeah, that's amazing too. Have it in here. Then I did the X Men thing. Uh, was the X Men? Then yeah, I went to Australia and fell in love with electronic music. And I came back like, Yo, I'm gonna start the DJ. <laughs> yeah, we got back to the DJ. <laughs> like, Yo, I'm a DJ, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yo, getting some. Yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? He pointed at your neck. Getting Get some. some. Getting some. Wait, wait, yeah. Oh. Get out of here, man. Uh, oh, my God. Get out of here. Get out of here, man. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> um, and Madagascar, too. Yeah, so the 2008 was my, like, freaking, like, experimental year. Where, like, just wanted to freaking, like, figure out the path, the next path. Date night, Joan of Arcadia. Yeah, so, like, Sick. 2008 was similar to 2002. Where 2002 was like, yo, there's this new world. Let's network in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And so we went from like leaving our our birthplace of like vibey, jazzy, you know, that type of style and understood networking and understood like, you know, brand Bible building. Yeah. And that took Black Eyed Peas to a different level. Then we started experimenting with electronic dance music, took Black Eyed Peas to a different level. Then at that point in time, when we got to stadiums, Fergie was really like, I need a real break. Yeah. So I thought it was going to be two years because 2008 was one year. I was like, oh, we'll get back in two, three years. So that didn't happen. So then I did Willpower, my solo record. Yep. And then I didn't, I hated touring by myself. 
And I, because I didn't want to be a solo act. I'm a, me, App, and Taboo, that's family. So, and then Taboo got cancer. And then I, I fell in love with tech. And then next thing you know, eight years has passed. Wow. Like, yo, how the fuck did eight years pass? <clears throat> so then one day we were like, yo, do you understand that the time that we've been away is longer than the time that we started from easy in 1992, three, four, five, six, seven. We got a record deal six years from when we started. Yeah. That's crazy, man. It's crazy. Six, seven, eight, right? 1990. And then we got a record deal. And then we put our first record out seven years from when we started. We've been gone eight fucking years. Wow. It's a long time. It's a long time. That's longer than the whole fucking journey to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. Then we started like figuring out, like, did we come back as a trio? Everybody, and then we got dropped. What year we was that? We got dropped last year, bro. Oh, shit. Like, our biggest fear of, like, yo, what? we're dropped. So we got dropped in 2019. Because the record company, like, Black Eyed Peas, will never be a quartet. And as a trio, they're never going to sell. Can, so, I say one, can I say one thing? Yeah. Your willpower had, like, insane singles, though. Britney Spears, Justin Bieber, Chris Brown, Miley, Wiz, French Montana. It's, that's, it's so many... Yeah, but Singles, they man. knew that I'm not, I don't ever want to do a solo project. And they knew Black Eyed Peas is my, my heart and my soul. Yeah. And so they'd rather drop the Black Eyed Peas than having to pay Black Eyed Peas what they, to renew our contract. Gotcha. So they dropped us. And that was like a blow to the psyche, to the ego. Mm. Not that you need a label in 2020. No. 2019 at the time. It's just the idea. Like we made yeah. them so much money, the number one downloaded song on iTunes of all time, and they drop us. And so I'm like, you know what? So what do we do? What we what do we do best? We're pioneers, we're like journeymen, yeah. and we hunters. So we try to go out and find new things to be and open minded to to be inspired. Totally. So we started doing this Latin shit. Yeah. Collaborating with the Latin folks. Polly Anthony, rest in peace. We were supposed to sign an epic for a million, $1.2 million, right? Yep. So one day last year, this time last year, I'm with Jimmy. He's like, so how's everything? I'm like, Jimmy, you know, he got dropped, right? He's like, <laughs> Will. He's like, Will, what? Why do you care? Why do you care? I'm not there. I kept my promise. You can make records at Interscope. Even when you're not selling records, but I'm not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So why do you care? We, we everyone's successful with beats. Do you need the money? No. So why do you care? Do you need a record company to put your music out nowadays? No. So why do you care? I'm like you know, Jimmy, you're right. Yeah. I know I'm right. <laughs> I'm like okay. I was like, but he's like, are you making any new music? So I played him like. Yeah, I'm doing this Latin shit. He was like, of course you are. Oh, two weeks later. I'm like, yo, Jimmy. Sony wants to offer us a deal. We just got an offer from Epic to sign an Epic because they like our Latin shit. Mm. So Jimmy then says, you know what would be really crazy? If you let me negotiate. Come to me. I'd really like to help you negotiate your deal. Wow. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if I could help them? Get, here's what you should do. <laughs> get a better back end. 
and your advance would be the same advance that Polly Anthony gave offered you guys back wow. in 1997. Holy shit. That's fucking <laughs> like, crazy, man. You could ask him for how much money you want. Don't do it. Yeah. Get a better back in and start off where you started where you were gonna start off anyway twenty years ago. That's crazy, man. So our deal, full circle, <laughs> was one point two with the fucking amazing back end. Holy and shit. Jimmy helped us negotiate it. That's amazing. The fuck, man. Bro? That's amazing. <laughs> and we just got our first platinum plaque on Epic yesterday. As a fucking trio, bro. Wow. Playing our songs top forty. 45-year-olds on fucking top 40, bro. That's amazing, man. Is that the R-I-T-M-O one? Yeah, bro. Like, we got... Yeah, uh, this not, song is fucking... It's a Latin chart. Ritmo has more views than I Got a Feeling, Where's the Love, and all of our shit. Holy shit. And Mamacita, too? Mamacita. Them two motherfuckers was number one and number two. More views than any... Uh, now that views is the new metrics of success, this is our... That's crazy, The, the most success that we've had... And our whole careers that's as a trio. Crazy translation album, right? Yeah, yeah, that's fucking crazy. I saw you talking about that. And I looked it up too. That's that's so awesome. Especially you're, yeah, you're doing your own thing now. It's like, yeah, you're it's flowing like, with it like it. But it's, but it's a new world. It's like yeah, like Latin was a new world for us. Like electronic in genres that aren't our genres. Like we're not an EDM group. Mm-hmm. We're not a Latin artist. I just mm-hmm. was born and raised in in an all Mexican neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, we're not a Latin group. Um, and we're not a pop group either, but mm-hmm. we killed it in pop too. Killed them both, yeah, like, and hip hop. We are an underground jazz group. Um, we're an underground hip hop jazz group. Yeah, that's what we are. Modeled after De La Soul and Trap Called Quest. That's what we are to our core. Mm-hmm. And yes, we really love Heavy D with Diddly 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 D and freaking <laughs> like we got our own thing, love like that, man. fucking hip poppy hip hop song. Rock. You know what I mean, like. But that's what we are. Yeah. We're not a pop group. We just fucking competed in pop. We're not an EDM group. We just competed in EDM. We're not a Latin group. We just compete in fucking Latin. Like, we're like one of those boxers that's like shifts weight every fucking fight. Like, wait, wait. Now you're a fucking lightweight? Yeah, yeah motherfucker. I'm on a cleanse, nigga. Like, I weigh 120 pounds. <laughs> oh, now you a heavyweight? Yeah, motherfucker. I've been binging like a motherfucker. I'm about to fight Tyson. <laughs> We just keep changing our weight class. <laughs> I love. I, do, I I want to talk about the masters of the sun because I love. I think I even hit you up about like the yes or no, ring the alarm, back to hip hop. I love those songs, man. Yeah, it's me such too. Throwback, like East Coast vibes to me, man. Yeah, that's why we got dropped. <laughs> <laughs> that was Inter- on the tribe. This is not some. This is like yeah, some Interscope tribe. was like so classic, man. Yeah, they they probably were like, I told you these guys are not going to be successful. <laughs> that's the shit you turned in. That's the record. That's the last record we put on oh Interscope. Oh my god. Dude, I love those songs, man. There's so, to me, so that's great. our fa- that's my favorite album, is Masters of the Sun. I love it, man. There's so much energy and love. You can feel like the hip hop vibe in there, and like you got a lot of East Coast vibe. It seems you have the East Coast influence. Yeah, De La Tribe, and that's what I mean by like competitors. Like I'm a competitor, bro, but my core is making that type of music. Yeah, that's the music I make in my sleep. That's the kind of music that I love to write. And then the competitive hat is like. The Where's the Loves, the Let's Get It Started, the My Humps, the Boom Boom Pals, and I Got a Feelings, the Ritmos. That's just me being a competitor. Like, what are they doing over there? Yeah. Ah, uh, I'm going to fuck with them motherfuckers. Ah! <laughs> Boom. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but in my basement, in my room, like, what do I make? 
I make that. Yeah. That's that's what I do. It's amazing you do both though, and and both of it's great. Like I I love I love sorry you get dropped because that, but I, I love that record. I mean I love the songs. It was like such a throwback vibe, you know. Yeah, and then like that's why I like I always like to tell like up and coming producers and songwriters, is like compete with everybody, bro. Try to compete. It's just treated it as it's competition. Like a Michael Jordan vibe. Like this whole combo. Right. We've been talking, we've been watching that dot. It was incredible. Like, yeah. Just like, yeah, you're not going to... You see the young guys coming in, all you, you think you got it, then I'm going to get it. You know what I mean? Like, I love that. Yeah, and just like, you know, one thing that I can't... I never really figured out, and I, and there's some genres that I don't want to compete in. I yeah. just like to listen to it as a fan and always will be a fan. Mm-hmm. Like, um, punk. I just want to be a fan of that. Yeah. The Sex Pistols. I just want to be a fan of The Clash. I just want to be Sick. a fan and just listen to it and not try to figure out what are their influences? Because mm-hmm. once you figure out somebody's influences, you're like, then you could like reverse engineer it. Gotcha. Then you know exactly how to make it. Yeah. But there's some things I'm like, I don't even want to think about it. I just want to listen to it. I just want to enjoy it. Like there's this new group that they're not new anymore, but there's a group from the UK called everything, everything. Okay. I can't understand their influences at all. I don't know what their point of references are. I just fucking love it. Okay. And I don't even want to get into like the science of it. Like, "Mm, let me figure this out. Mm -hmm. I just like it. Be a fan and just listen to it. Yeah. Because my mind naturally is always going to wrap my head around like, what is this? Where are they getting this from? What's the origins of that? <laughs> uh, what synth is that? What key? What guitar is that? Is that a Hoffner? What amp is that? Uh, what? <laughs> how did they approach that chorus? What is that? That what is that cadence? Where does that cadence original originate from? Like my mind always gets. Is it hard that. to turn that off because you're a producer to hear little things and start? Is it hard to turn it off and just be a fan? No, I, my mind does that for everything. Okay, like, like this headphone. Like a mic. Yeah. Like, I, my mind will always, like, that plastic that makes those types of phones different than the plastic that makes this headphone. Mm. Like, that's a different type of plastic. Yeah. That From, like, 1950s plastic. You know? So, like my mind just automatically wants to understand, you know, the my environment. Yeah. Have you always been like that since a kid? Like, always curious and looking at things and all that? Yeah. Peace out, Hickey, man. Um... <laughs> That's awesome. So you always been like that. And you didn't go to college, did you? I went to SMC. Okay. SMC? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For like two months. <laughs> two months, that's it? Yeah, just to take a yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, what he was saying about music kind of reminds me and you because we both grew up on hip-hop, you know, and we came from the same punk scene, but you sing in a hardcore metal band, and I sing in a punk band. I would never try to rap because I love and respect it so yeah. much. And I grew up on it. I would never try to do that. I just want to be a fan, just like you. Yeah, we both just, we work out to hip hop in my garage, but we never try to we never try to rhyme. You know what I mean? Right. Like I have too much respect for it. Yeah, yeah. Before like, before I before I met Easy E and signed there, there was um, because I was always like the, you know, black people. I say that. I know when I say that that sounds weird, but you gotta understand. When you're raised around all Mexicans, and you're not raised around people that are like you, black folks would always be like, 
Nigga, you you different, nigga. Mm. Like you weird, nigga. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They I, I always had that. Yeah. And if you go to all white school, they're like, oh my gosh, William, like you're unique. <laughs> <laughs> like where are you from? Mm-hmm. Why do you talk like that? Yeah. Are you like Colombian or like are you Dominican? Why do you sound like? I'll be like, what do you mean? What I? How do I sound? I sound like what? Mm-hmm. You sound like Geraldo. You sound like Jose. <laughs> like. Because, like, if you go to all-white school and there's some black people and you sound like the Mexicans and you came on the Mexican bus, mm-hmm. they're like, you're unique, William. Yeah. So, you know, the first person I met in the music industry was Randy Jackson. Wow. American I era. was, like, 16 years old. He was working at Sony. He wanted to sign me because I was rapping at uh, David Faustino's club called Ballistics. Okay. And that's where Easy e discovered me. But before Easy E, Randy Jackson, because there's this guy by the name of Rob Bolt, he was he was like talking, you know, talking about this young kid that was killing it on the, in this rap contest. So I got this meeting with Randy Jackson. I did school. My friend Robert, I was like, hey Robert, hey, I have a meeting right here on Sunset Boulevard, fool. Hey, you think you could give me like a give me a ride, like pick me up from school, cause I don't want my mom to think that I freaking I I'm ditching. So so he was like, fuck Willie, like. You want me to drive all the way to Palisades, fool, to pick you up when I could just take you from East LA? I was like, but my mom has to see me get on the bus, Robert. So if you could just pick me up in Palisades and then take me to my meeting. He's like, do you have gas money? I was like, I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. So how much gas money do you need? Like five bucks? So 1992, five bucks was a lot of money. It is. So what I would do is I would go around to all my white friends and ask them for 25 cents. <laughs> hey, let me get a quarter. Fuck, William, you give me you owe me quarter for last week. All right, uh, come on, Sage. So I get like quarters, uh-huh. and so go around all my friends, come up on five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so I get my five bucks a quarter. I like, here, Robert, fucking Willie dog. Like, so who's this fucker that you want me to fucking go take you to see? Well, this fucking guy who like he works at Sony Records and like he heard me, he heard about me, my freestyling, and I have a meeting with him. Hey, but just tell him you're my manager. So we go to Sony Records to meet with Randy Jackson. I yeah. was about to meet, before, way before American Idol. So I'm there. I wear, I'm dressed in like, you know, because I started getting popular because I used to wear like polyester suits to school. Wow. Right? That's Cause, awesome. Because we were poor. Mm-hmm. So at, at that point in time, my mom let me dress how I wanted to dress. Yeah. So my shit was like, yo, let me fucking, if I have like 20 bucks for like my school, back to school clothes. I could fucking get dollar suits. I get fucking 20 suits. Yeah. It's their story, yeah. So that was my attire at school, bro. It was like fucking 70s <laughs> fucking polyester clothes, bro. And That's all the awesome. fucking, they love, all the white girls love me in fucking school, bro. They love me. <laughs> and, and all the black kids are like, fuck, hey, nigga, you crazy as a motherfucking nigga. <laughs> nigga, fucking Will on X with the fucking Mac, mishmash socks, nigga. And, and the Mexicans like fucking Willie die like you're fucking weird die. <laughs> so now I'm with Randy Jackson. It's crazy. We're meeting. He's, He's a like, musician, by the way, bass player and stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, awesome. He's yeah. like, you remind me. You know, I signed Fishbone. One of the greatest too, man. Right. He's like, I found. What was his name again? What was the lead singer? Angelo. Angelo. Angelo Moore. Yeah. He's like, you remind me like a young Angelo. How different you are. And a, and a sly. You know what I mean? Like sly and Angelo. 
I remember he told me that. I was like, I didn't know who Fishbone was at the time. Okay. I was like, Fishbone? He was like, you should check him out. L.A. band. Sick. And and uh, then, I, then I, Gersh, Hern, Gershwin? There's this other guy that was friends with Angelo named Gershwin or Herndon. <laughs> and so I, then I finally met Angelo. Okay. Through Gershwin and Herndon, who are also left to center blacks. Yeah. That were like, not hood, because like if you're from LA, you either were like hood, but I was born in the hood, but mm-hmm. a Mexican hood. Yeah. So, if you're not from a black hood and you're not playing sports, or you're not like playing keyboards in church or drums in church, then what the fuck kind of black are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're not any of the three, if yeah. you're not banging. Oh. And then you're the studious one. You're the Carlton. So if you're not the Carlton, Carlton, if you're not the fucking hood in it, if you're not the athlete, and if you're not the obvious, I play drums or keyboards or bass in church, yeah. then which one are you? Yeah. And I always fit in that, like, what shade of black are you? And being in an all-Mexican neighborhood, they're like, are you Dominican? Are you Panamanian? Which Latino are you? Because I know your whole cousins and everybody speaks Spanish. Yeah. We're just black, fool. But we speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a very like... And Tribe Called Quest was... And De La Soul was the license of it's okay to be different. Yeah. It's okay to be unique. It's okay to like... Peace and Daisy. Yeah, you don't have yeah, to wear the, the, Daisy the, the basketball clothes. You don't have to play... Yeah. You don't have to be what America's telling black youth to be. Yeah, the native tongues, all that was so good, man. Younger Brothers, all that. Yeah. Um, Moni Love, yeah. the whole crew was just like so ahead of its time with like all the daisies, all the positivity and hip-hop. It was like, it was like PMA hip-hop was totally positive and stuff. Hey, um, you seen the, you seen the Beastie Boys documentary? Incredible. Fucking loved it. Dude, it's fucking incredible, man. That's the only thing that reminded me of me, App, and Taboo's friendship. I'm like, mm. yo, this time I thought we were the only real friend group that ever existed. Yeah. Beastie Boys seems to be like friends since they were 13 and 14 like us. Yeah. And they were so ahead of the game, too, with everything, man. Beastie yeah. Boys, man. Paul's Boutique, like incredible album, man. And then, then when they did the extra large store on Vermont. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you have any regrets in your life in music? or? It's a hard one, man. Uh, no. No regrets. No regrets. I love that. Um, like, dumb decisions, but I learned from them, so nope, I'm so happy I made that dumb decision. Yeah. So there was this time where we were working with this girl named Astero, and it was the hit on on, on Bridging the Gap. It was weekends. Jumping music, slick DJs. That's when I was yeah, really I trying to get my, like, my score on. Mm-hmm. And Astero was singing it and and Macy Gray was a part of our like playing LA crew. That's sick. And um, Jimmy wanted me to sign Macy Gray. He's like, you should sign it to your label. This was like, that's Jimmy's trick to everything. In 1998, <laughs> before Macy was, had a record deal. Yeah. So Macy's like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to um, sign, with, sign with Jimmy. I was like, no, Macy, you're going to be signing to me. I know, well, but we grow we family. I, why, why would I sign with you? Sounds like it, sir. Yeah. I was like, for freedom? 
Uh, let me think about it. Then so she's like, hey, you know Polly Anthony? I'm like, yeah, I know Polly. She was going to I know. She was saying, she was talking highly of you, so I think I'm going to sign with Polly. So, so she signs with Polly. Yeah. I didn't have my networking, like, uh, executive chops yeah. to, to convert and get Macy to the label mm-hmm. at the time. And so, so then we did the song Weekends. And then Jimmy's like, well, we need to talk. Estero, who was going to sign an Interscope, is now signed to Warners. And that's a problem. Why is it a problem? Because we're going to spend so much money on weekends to make it a hit. And why are we going to have another artist be developed on our dime? Like, first, first, like, lesson in politics. Yeah, yeah. Musical totally. politics. So why don't you put Macy Gray on Weekends and record a new song with Estero, seeing that Weekends is the hit? Mm. Oh, no, Jimmy, I can't just take a song. Why do you care about emotions like that? You should be trying to make what's best for the song, and what's best for the song is having a star on the hit. Mm -hmm. Let me think about it. Think about it. Think about it good. So I went and thought about it. I'm like, hey, Macy, Jimmy wants me to take a stereo off of Weekends and put you on it. Let's do it. That sounds like I love that song. <laughs> I know, but don't you think it's fucked up for a stereo? Yeah, I like a stereo, so I don't know. What you want to do? I'm like, um, why don't we, uh, why don't you record it and record it horrible? So that way Jimmy says, this sucks. Wow. And then we wreck a new song. So she was like, all right, that's what you want to do. I was like, and then we could write, I mean, then we could make a new song from scratch and we get all the publishing because that one has a sample in it. You know mm. what? You write, you write, okay. So she goes in the studio. She's like, plan. she's like, uh, um, jumping music, slip DJs, smoke machine, laser rays, pew pew. And so, so, <laughs> so then, um, so then Jimmy hears it. He was like, this is a hit. I love it. <laughs> I'm like, no, Jimmy, this ain't no fucking hit. This sounds horrible. What are you talking about, Will? It got Macy Gray on it, and it's singing. This, uh, it's a great, it's great, right? I'm like, no, Jimmy, this ain't good. Well, why don't you, okay. I was like, Jimmy, why don't we just give me another shot? I'll make another song from scratch. She's going to get in the studio with you? Well, she's on fire right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I know. Well, make sure you make a better, a better song than Weekends. And so I go in the studio. We write and we write. This is a request, Mr. Radio Man. Just one desire from a hip hop fan. Hey, DJ. So we write that song. Yeah, remember that song. So then, so he's like, "Well, this is a hit." So we get on TRL. Oh shit! Not the first time, though. No, no. No, that was the first time. Wow. We, 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 we were interviewed on TRL. Okay, yeah. For Joints and Jams, but we weren't on TRL. Okay. And so Steve Berman calls me and he's like, hey, well, Jimmy really thinks it's important that I talk to you about what's going on. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, he wants me, he thinks it's important that you know this information about how the business works. Um, whatever you've done, you 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 made a really good impression of yourself with Jimmy, and he wants you to learn and know these things. I'm like, okay, what up? Yeah. He's like, there's IRP and IVP, and your IRP research is coming back really bad. 
but your IVP is through the roof. I'm like, what the fuck are these acronyms? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, independent radio promotion versus independent video promotions. And City High Song is doing really well at radio. City so High, I remember them. we want to take your IRP money and give it to City High. And take City High's video money and give it to Black Eyed Peas. Because their song is researching well at radio. And so Jimmy wants you to know that this is what... He wants you to know the, the inner workings of the music industry and where dollars are allocated and the return on those dollars. Interesting. I'm like, all right, it sounds cool. Do you think it's going to work, Berman? He's like, I think it's going to work. We've seen this work a lot with Eminem. His video researched well. His song at radio didn't. So we just over, we over promoted the video and that actually then triggered a, a return on uh, and performance at radio gotcha and we think that could happen in black eyed peas so i'm like great let's do irp IV, ivp let's do this shit <laughs> so it didn't work didn't work didn't work the album had been out for three months shit we did the hip-hop uh, empire bp empire with with um, DJ Premier, when we did that, um, when we did that video, like um, it was called, uh, it was. Um, I just want to say, I just want to say that we talk about your mask, but I'm glad you wearing it because my dog farted. I can smell it. He can't. It's disgusting. Okay, but DJ Premier, the best gangster. So we did it. We did this like hip hop, this hip hop um, infomercial. Oh shit! Okay. We were really inspired by Beastie Boys at that, at that time, and we wanted to do like an infomercial. So we did that. That's and then cool. we did the request line and the IRP, IVP, and it didn't work. And so and so, four months in, Napster, he, and they blamed it on Napster. He's like, well, there's just Napster is really kicking groups like yours' ass. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy wants you guys to go work on another record. I'm like, this record's only been out for five months. Damn. So that was 2000. So from 2000 to 2002, we were really afraid that we were going to get dropped. But do I have any regrets? I think maybe if 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 Macy sung Weekends as it was, maybe that would have worked because that song and we never would have gotten to the elephant though. We never mm. would have written Where's the Love. Okay. So that's the reason why I say, no, I don't have regrets because I'm glad that happened. I'm glad we had to struggle. I'm glad we were put through the, through the fire and worry and then had to figure it out and like work out of like, you know, survival. Yeah. I'm glad we had to be put through that mm-hmm. to figure it out. Because had we had success then, we wouldn't have been, been able to sustain it. You know, fucking 2020, bro. Yeah. And maybe, yeah. maybe we would have had so much success then. And we would have peaked then. Yeah. And then we wouldn't have been Black Eyed Peas 2007. We never would have gotten to the point. Because something happens once you've smelled success and it gets stripped from you. And you freaking are trying to survive. Yeah. And then you finally get it. Then you appreciate it differently. And then you now you have the knowledge of how to like, you know, withstand any type of turbulence. And now Bumpy Plane is like... Ugh. Oh, you fucking freaking out because the plane's about to be like yesterday was a fucking earthquake, bro. Yeah, this morning it was crazy, man. It was an earthquake this Jumped morning. Out of bed, man. I was like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, shake me more. I'm fucking tired. I yeah. just felt, I just 
right? It's like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. So you need to have, it, it gave me just like this thicker skin. To go through all and that. A, and a more analytical, you know, p- brain process of looking at things and, and analyzing them and like, you know, this computer mind. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't have regrets. I just, I'd like the, the lessons that I've learned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, all, it all makes sense with this, with everything about your life. All but, the steps but, you're I, taking. but I have a couple of physical regrets. Like I've been vegan for like two years and shit. Turns vegan? out, Go ahead. turns out like you could be vegan and shit and like still eat bad. Yeah. It's true. So I went like a, a six, like a, like a, like a two month cough. Just lingers. Yeah, yeah. So I went to the doctor and they're like, oh, wow, you got high blood pressure. Ooh, your cholesterol is high. Ooh, let me give you this pill. I'm like, that's the same fucking pill my uncle take. I'm not trying to fucking take a fucking pill at 40. Fuck that. that. I was like, yo, how about if I like change my regimen? They're like, and then the doctor's like, yeah, you got to be careful with these nutritionalists. I'm like, what? Yeah, these nutritionalists, these nutritionalists, like, is it nutritionalist or nutritionist? Nutritionist. Yeah, sorry. Who cares? Go ahead. It's fine. Yeah, these nutritionalists. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you got to be careful with these nutritionists. Yeah. You know, they, they, they don't really have a, a solid practice. I was like, yeah, but you're about to give me some chemicals and stuff. And I'd rather just like eat plants. Yeah, yeah. These nutritionists. They, uh, um, anyway, so then I was like, look, what, what if I like change my regimen and if I come back in two months and I get my cholesterol and my high blood pressure in order then we'll discuss me taking these uncle pills yeah he's like all right you betcha so I'm like fuck okay let me go let me do my plant let me do my cleanse again because I there was always that like when before you after a tour or before a tour we always had like this this cleanse totally so I was like, let me do my cleanse and then really hop on like my 10 day juice cleanse and then hop on like a different, you know, vegan diet. Yeah. So I did that and like just dropped like 15 pounds Damn. in a month. And then before my two month, like comeback, yeah. I came back a month later. My skin was fucking super glowing. Yeah, your skin looks good, man. And then my breath didn't smell like whatever gut true too and i woke up i would wake up without having like you know like ugh, like you know that freaking like it's like food hangover yeah. it's like your body just feels like yeah dude i wouldn't feel like that when i woke up anymore and then i went to the doctor they took my vitals took my blood pressure and was like wow what what have you been doing i'm like what do you mean i told you he's like wow this is pretty impressive your 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 uh, your blood pressure is pretty normal and your cholesterol is actually really healthy i was like i told you bro it's like i just went plant-based mm. and, I, and i cleaned out my digestive tract and i knew i knew that's what was wrong with me but i but so from that point on i was like fuck this am i eating meat am i eating cheese am i eating drinking milk no dairy, but what fucks you up, bro, is fruity pebbles and almond milk. <laughs> oh yeah, all the foods that are still vegan by default. Yeah, Captain Crunch is vegan. Yo, fruity pebbles. Yo, Twizzlers, Red Vines, all that shit. Dude. Yo, man, this beginning of COVID, I was like fruity pebble in it. Like, 
dinner fruity pebbles like what do you want to yeah. eat you want to get some freaking uh you want to go to postmates like nah i'm just gonna get another bowl of fruity pebbles yeah it's so true all the comfort food and all the stuff like oreos are vegan by default there's so much shit uh the peanut butter nutter butters there's yes. nutter butters the doyle always posts all that shit there's so much vegan junk food bro it's, it's true man you've been to doomies you've been to doomies probably Doomies yeah. put you in a coma, man. Yeah. Shout out to Doomies, but they put you like in a Thanksgiving coma. No, like, I, Doomies was my April, May, June. Oh, shit. I'll get my, my two tacos. Look, I bet you right now, if I go on my freaking Postmates right here, bro, look. <laughs> I'm going to go on my Postmates. Oh, that Coca Bella next door to it. Ice cream. I go to my Postmates and I just type in, like, I'm going to go here, dismiss. I type in D O. Oh, <laughs> Doomies right there. Yeah. Home cooking. I tell you, it's going to tell you the things that I just last ordered. My shake, mm. my buffalo legs, my <laughs> my shrimp po' boy. <laughs> like, I, and if I then go to like the Tex-Mex, if I type in like T-E-X-Mex. Yeah, bro, that's we, all. I, that's all I did for comfort food, though. Yo, man, I got the freaking like chimichanga doomies. Oh yeah, he's cooking now. Derek is, yeah. 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 I think I think the first half of lockdown too, I was just like fucking I'm not working out. I don't know what the future's gonna be like. And I was just eating all kinds of shit, not even caring. Just the first couple of months. Wh- whether you feel like it's affecting you or not, whether you have you're healthy, you have a family, you don't have the COVID, your family's good, you're not stressing about work or money at that moment, it still beats on you everything happening around the planet. And it just kinda it just would dig at you a little bit, you know? Trying yeah. to stay positive during it, you know. The COVID uh the COVID diet, even though I was even though I was like plant based. It's hard, man. Especially when it's good. Mm-hmm. So uh, my friends were like, "Yo, like, are you gonna eat another bowl of cereal like that?" I'm like, "Yo, if this is the price for happiness, I'm gonna pay for. I'm gonna pay it." Mm-hmm. And I really started like, I would look in the mirror, and I was like, "Who let you here?" <laughs> and then, "Who let you in here? How did you get back here? I thought mm-hmm. I locked you out forever." With this vegan diet, and then the, the mirror, the person in, in the mirror would be like, "You did. <laughs> Your weakness let me back in here." Like, I started like, "Look at the man tits. You happy with those man tits? You know you always like titties. Yeah, but not titties on me. You like titties on you, but not not titties on me." <laughs> I like titties on me, but not titties on me, on me. Are, are, you feel, are you feeling better with the juice, though, now? Yo, so it's much, hard, man. So much. No, like, once, the, once I got to day two, it's just the night. If I could figure out what my night is. Yeah. Like, what's my night snack? Then I figured out what my night snack was. Mm-hmm. And that is, like. If I wanted the first, my first night snack on my first day of juice, as long as I could keep myself busy and it's like, oh shit, time, I'm kind of late, but, um, 
if I have a busy schedule and I have a juice every two hours, I could get through the day. But the first night is like, oh, what am I going to eat before I go to sleep? Yeah. Because the first, the first two months of COVID, that eating before I want to sleep was like the news, and then yeah. oh, I just yeah. I just eat to to just have some sense of normality. Yes. So what I do is I just get an avocado, healthy fats, an avocado, and I and I ponzu, mm. and jalapeno. Oh wow. No, I mean jalapeno and cilantro ponzu. Mix it up, and it tastes exactly like what I remember from Nobu. Okay. Wow. Okay. Without right. avocado. Without the fish. Okay. Without the shrimp. Interesting. And so that's that was my first two days, and so then on the day three, I don't need I didn't need a snack to go to sleep. I just have like a shot of turmeric. Mm, that's good for you too. Yeah. And that's that that was that became my like now every diet before I go to sleep I'm like ooh I can't wait for my shot of turmeric. <laughs> You look forward to it, right? Yeah. And then it's like, ooh, in the morning, I can't wait for my multivitamin vitamin gummy. Mm. Something to chew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. ooh, that's my, I can't wait for my fucking vitamin gummy. <laughs> and if I could get to Thursday, which is today, I'm like, oh, shit. I fucking, I made this freaking pineapple, grapefruit, apple, carrot, pear, ginger thing last cold press. Like, I made this last. Are you and making I, those or are you getting them? No, I get them. Okay. And then. Awesome. And then oh. Friday, it's cool. Friday, I'll, I'll be, I'll have a cool Friday. And if I, if, if there's like a, a business dinner, like this happened today, they're like, hey, let's go to dinner tonight and at um crossroads, not crossroads, let's go to dinner tonight at um at Republic. I'm like, okay. I'm juicing today. Mm-hmm. What am I gonna do? Oh, okay, I could, I could get a soup. Yeah, I totally. could get a soup. Um, but Bring oh shit, in. do they have like? Do they have salt in the soup? Mm-hmm. So become I'm like, antisocial almost. Like you just don't want to be around people. Cause so it, then that's like, okay, what if I just take my juice and then tell them to put it in a fucking bowl and give me a spoon? <laughs> like, so that way I could like socialize whoever yeah. I'm working with. Mm-hmm. I still have some shit to fucking like yeah. soup on. Mm-hmm. And I'm cool, right? How long are you going to go for? How long are you going to do it for? Um, This week. Okay. Till Monday, so that'll be two weeks of no chewing, and then the, and then my Saturdays and Sundays like, oh shit, I get to get my fucking burrito, breakfast burrito from Crossroads. Ooh. Oh shit. That shit's banging, dude. Ooh, and then on Sunday I'm gonna get my freaking pancake. Oh shit. And now yeah. that's what that's my look forward to. And so it's your cheat days almost as the weekend. Just eat what you want, and then. Yeah, though my crave, I've, it's like, okay, you're gonna have cravings. Yeah. But if you could like plan your craving for Sunday on Monday mm-hmm. or instead of like, Ooh, I'm craving, Ooh, I'm craving like whatever it is. And I want it right now. Yeah. Then I, then I have to retrain what COVID broke up. Mm-hmm. Cause I was pretty good up until COVID. You working out and biking and all that stuff. No, I was traveling. Yeah. You, you know, do, yeah. Traveling. The plane knows my food. They know I'm vegan. They know if I if I I was traveling a lot. That's right. The voice is going back and forth, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Australia and UK, correct? No, that was just for one year. Now I just okay. do the UK, so I'm there ten day every ten days. I'm back and forth. Wow, man, that's a heavy grind, man. Yeah, flying. Yeah, it's been that way for like the longest I've been home. I haven't been home this long since 2002. Wow. Yeah, I was stuck here, kind of. Yeah. 
pretty much stuck here. Yeah. And there's good food over there, too, in England. Hmm? They get a lot of vegan food over there in England. Now they do. Yeah. It was pretty horrible. Back then? The best vegan <laughs> food for traveling that I've experienced is Mexico. Mm. Mexico. And if you think about it, now that you like, oh, that's right. They got corn. They do really good with tomatoes and avocados. Beans, rice. They do really good with, like, beans and rice. Like, they, they, and their ingredients and their fucking, like, their flavors. Fucking the jam, bro. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, should we cover a lot? My final question is, I already know the answer to it. You consider yourself, like, an optimist or a pessimist. But I already know the answer to that. You're, you're, you're a pretty positive human. No, I'm fucking pessimistic, bro. Are you? No, I'm just kidding. I'm super <laughs> <laughs> like you faked it. No, like no, I can I'm tell super. you have the PMA. Like you can, everything you've done, been through, and focused on doing, you made it happen. Yeah, believing in yourself. You know. Yeah, super optimistic. Um, I had a meeting today with the World Economic Forum about like the future of childhood. Like we have random like, like what's the future of childhood when AI is in a child's life. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, seeing that there's no governance in on the internet in 2020. Yeah. And there's no accountability where Facebook's business practices have influenced Brexit and America and can't even regulate fake news. Then AI in a kid's life with no regulations what I say, I said this, I typed this to one of the board members today. And it was, uh, it said, uh, where's her name? Education versus persuasion. Mentoring versus monitoring. Tutor versus hurting. Mm. When when you have AI in a kid's life, that's a very those are the thin lines and the blurred, the blurred, you know, line between the two. Never did we think that education and persuasion are can be mistaken for. Mm-hmm. But with AI in a kid's life, from three, you can mistake them mentoring and monitoring like when i when we grew up we grew up and there was there wasn't an eye watching us growing up Mm -mm. and if there was an eye we didn't know we didn't see the eye exactly um and tutoring versus hurting like when there's no governance or regulation on ai in a kid's life like my teacher mr wright and miss montez they were in my life for a, a, a short window, like a semester. Yeah. And that's it. If you have a toy, AI toy that a kid's been playing with ever since they were four, and the company that owns that owns a whole bunch of other things, and that data travels to those other things, and now you're fucking 30, yeah. and it understands and knows you from... Since you were born, mm-hmm. that's some fucking crazy shit, bro. Yeah, there was there was an episode on that show, Black something what they called. There's Black Mirror. There's an episode just like that that follows them since they were a kid. It was a tracking thing or something throughout their whole life. 
It was an episode like that. It was crazy. The problem, the, the thing about that is like, Nightmare, yeah. it doesn't, we've never been here before. Yeah. Humanity has never been at this crossroads. Mm-hmm. We've never been to a place where like, like we're barely getting over racism. And I thought that shit was over, bro. Dude. I thought I saw, ra- I thought it's the last scary. time I saw racism was in when I got a piss bottle thrown at me at the warp tour. I thought it, from that point on, it's like, yep, conquered it. We're cool, right? <laughs> this shit's over, right? I thought that shit was done. It's crazy, man. Like, where did this shit come from, bro? Like, what? They just brought this shit back? Like, remix? It's, it's, they remixed racism, bro. It's scary scene. It's just, every. it's it's crazy, man. It's, it's like somebody sampled it. Mm-hmm. Like, they're sampling an old, uh, old hit called, an old classic called racism. Mm-hmm. So... Here we are. We're barely getting over racism. Yep. And here's this thing called data bias. Data bias is when the algorithm can't distinguish um, Serena Williams as a woman. It thinks Serena, Serena, Facebook's algorithm sees Serena Williams as a man. Because the people that are training the algorithms, they don't know what they're doing. They're just not black people or black woman or black woman with strong features, making sure the algorithm knows the difference between a black man and a black strong woman with strong features. Gotcha. Um, and so what happens is data bias. So what does that mean in real life when it's, when it's implemented in real life? Um, when you have like, when the machine when the machine has been programmed by scraping the internet yeah, and there's nothing but junk and hatred on the internet so much, then black lives matter. Yeah. We're saying it to each other and to corporations, but at the same time, we're saying it to the machine because it's not like black people are creating the algorithms. So when you have people writing algorithms, then thank God black lives matter is on the internet that the machine is going to be learning from to know that black lives matter because black lives did not make the machine. Mm. Gotcha. So these were conversations that we talked about Very interesting today. What you say on the machine, how, what you say on the machine will then echo and either hurt society or help society. These are all just new shits. Yeah, but it's very powerful. It, it controls all of us in a sense. You know? so, yeah. So that's, that's the only time where I'm like, it's hard to be optimistic. Okay. Yeah. Just bring full circle why I started talking about that. <laughs> and what I, I have a list of all the people you worked with, Michael Jackson, Justin Bieber, Britney Spears. So, but the one thing that one of my favorite songs you produced was Don't Trip with Ice Cube and Dr. Dre on the games record. I love that song, man. It's an yeah. incredible song, man. I wrote that song for me first. You did? In 2004. <laughs> oh, shit. And the lyric was, don't trip, nigga. Um, uh, the flow I had, I had the, the crazy flow. I worked with Ice Cube myself. Oh shit! Um, and doom to doom doom doom. It's like that Cypress Hill bass. Yeah. Doom to doom. It's nigga. like a play for it. It's mm-hmm. incredible. Nigga, nigga. I was just like trying to find like these cool flows and, yeah. and pockets to ride. So I I did that. Send it to Ice Cube. He was like, yo, I like that flow. So then Ice Cube did his verse with like, don't trip, homie. I screw around. I screw up around Crips. 
homie. Where the where the fuck you motherfuckers find this? Thony. Acting hard, he's a tender. Roni. Mm, so good. So then man. I'm like, oh what? Wait. Is Ice Cream talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't put this song out because I was acting really hard on the record, right? Mm, yeah. Um And then Dre. No, no, this is before. Okay, 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 okay. This is just when it was just me and Ice Cube. Got you. And then that was 2004. And uh, it's on the backs of Where's the Love. Oh, shit, okay. And so then I made Don't Trip. And then Ice Cube hopped on it. Then my verse, like I said, it was like, Don't Trip, nigga. Um, and I forgot my verse because I just can't get games out. But game followed my flow. Gotcha. Don't trip, nigga. No. Don't trip, nigga. Hand on a pistol finger on a trigger. And uh, that's what that's how my flow started. Gotcha. So then when Doctor when when Ice Cube was like, Don't trip, homie. I'll screw up around Crip, homie. What the fuck you fucking, what the fuck you niggas find this? Thony. Acting hard, he's a ten duh. Rony. Right? So I'm like <laughs> So I'm like, oh, maybe I should have put this out. So um, good. Because I did the beat, and I always wanted to work with my heroes. So, yeah. And Ice Cube knew that I was signed with Easy, so he was open-minded to do a song with me. So fast forward from 2004 to 2015, I went. I, I pulled up to a, um, a game session. He was like, nigga, I know you got a whole bunch of shit in your hard drive, nigga. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I could play you some songs I got with Snoop and some songs I got with like Too Short and the songs I got with like, you know, Q-Tip or Ice Cube. I'm going to just show you. Let me pull up all my stuff that I've never released. He's like, yeah, play me that shit. I got, I got nine shit in my hard drive. Damn. I got like all this shit in my hard drive. Um, Which makes me realize that I have to repopulate my hard drive, hard drive with, with newer artists. So did you drop that Nas song ever? You two together? That, that ended up on his album too. Sick. Okay, go ahead. So then I played him. I was like, yo, I got this song with Ice Cube. Check this out. So I played it. He was like, nigga, what the fuck is that? I was like, exactly, right? He was like, you mean you had this in your hard drive when you did Compton for me? I was like, yeah. He was like, how do you mean to play me this shit back then? I was like, you know, I, I don't know. But yeah. It's a great song too, Compton. He was like, nigga, let me have this. I'm going to try to get fucking Dre on this shit. I'm like, wait, you can get Dre on it? So then Dre kicks it off. He was like, "With a will, not many people know you. You could take it to the streets." Yes, I love that because Dre knows that I was for, with Easy, and uh, and from the, well, he knows the projects that I'm from. Yep. So that I, I thought that was uh, that came full circle, but originally it was me and Ice Cube. <laughs> yeah, but it's still. It's but the, the fact that they all kept my flow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like. And then who's on the LA one? You're on the LA one with somebody else. Um, it was me and Snoop. He was Snoop, that's right, yeah. Yeah, LA. That's a great one, too. Uh-huh. Was there yeah. anybody, was all the people, all the people working, was it crazy work with Michael Jackson? No, Michael Jackson is a... Uh, like a dream, I mean, to work with him more. Yeah, he is like uh I can't explain his... Uh, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson. Yeah, he didn't seem like he didn't seem human. He seemed like a like just a spirit. It didn't seem like. No, his his knowledge. Mm-hmm. And some of the things he told me were like, I never will repeat. But yeah, of course, his knowledge is just like beyond. He mm-hmm. like, here's the guy that bought the Beatles catalog. Yeah. 
Yeah. And own half of Sony ATV's publishing. Crazy, man. Yeah. And like, and he's telling me, he's saying that I'm bankrupt. How can I be bankrupt? I own half of Sony ATV's catalog. You can't even spend that kind of money, bro. I don't even spend that much money to be bankrupt when I own half of the catalog. It's a smear. It's a smear thing, bro. Isn't it funny that all these allegations came up around when they realized that publishing is the core of the business? I go, oh shit. And I don't want to sell it. I'll never sell it. And they try to shake me. They try to shake me to make me sell my catalog. Wow. Right around Napster, 2000s. Mm. That's crazy, man. Dude, you have really great impressions, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, be, it's because of the mask that Jimmy Iovine sounds like um, Bane. But it, <laughs> it still sounds like him. And then last thing, your, your mask. You wear this incredible mask. It has like a freaking fan in it. It's the future of mass. You can put your earphones, connected to your earphones, and that's something you created that's coming out soon. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, if you think about like at some point in time, Somebody said, let's wear shoes. Right? And now every motherfucker walking around with <laughs> shoes on. Like, imagine I came to your motherfucking house barefoot, bro. You'd be like, hey, hey, Will, like, wait, you just, where your shoes at? Like, what do you mean shoes, bro? I don't wear fucking shoes. You'd be like, since how long have you not been wearing shoes? Ever since Michael Fonte, bro. You remember, like, what's that dude? <laughs> What's that guy, Michael Fonte? Remember that the uh, the artist, Michael Fonte. Michael Fonte. He stopped wearing shoes. Michael Fonte don't wear shoes, bro. He Jesus style the whole way through. Wow. You never heard of him before? Michael Fonte. Yeah, he's like this. Like, is it Michael Fonte? That's pretty amazing, though. Yes, bro. Michael Franti. Michael Franti, American rapper. This guy. Oh, it's wear shoes. Oh, okay. Work hard and be nice. Nice. From Spearhead. Oh shoot. Okay. Spearhead. Oh, yeah, 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 he don't wear okay. shoes, bro. Okay. So imagine like I didn't wear shoes too. Yeah. You'd be like, am I? I have thick ass calluses and shit, toenails all fucking looking weird and shit. Coming in You'll be house. like, <laughs> yo, you don't wear shoes? Nah, bro. I don't even wear underwear. You'll be like, yo, you don't wear underwear? Like. I'm going against the grain, bro. Like, I want freedom. I'm not wearing underwear. That's just a that's just a machine telling you to wear pants and underwear, and socks and shoes. <laughs> Jesus Christ didn't wear underwear or socks or shoes. Like, imagine like that was the argument. Yeah. But the fact is, at some point in time, we all decided that it's best that we wear shoes and socks and pants and underwear. Correct. And we all have a hard time putting on a mask. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why that is because no one has made masks for people. Yeah. They're either making masks for construction workers, for doctors, for surgeons. And that's it. Yeah. And they never made a mask for daily use. Like shoes for daily use. Totally. And so I was like, mm, let me get what my my team and try to figure out like what a daily mask with some material. How can you have it on your face all the time? You sound good talking through it too. It just sounds like you, it doesn't sound distorted or nothing really. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And the, but the fan, like if ever I'm getting hot, I just put the fan on. Ooh, wow, look, I'm cooler now. And, um, 
you took my you took my temperature. Yeah, you were chilling. And I was like, yo, no, I'm 97.3. <laughs> That's true. And then it was like 97.3, right? Yeah, I can't believe it. How'd I know it? Oh, because my mask is telling me my <laughs> temperature. I'll look at my phone, and my phone told me that I'm 97.3. So that's the future of the mask right there. You wear it. it looks it looks comfortable. You're like you're not sweaty. It's not you can breathe. You can. Yeah. Well, you you jogging it and shit probably obviously. Biking it, jogging. Yeah, because I tried jogging in the mask. It's super hard. And you have to admit, running canyon, that's super hard too, but you have to do it. That's because there's no air, fl- there's no air circulation. Mm-hmm. And you're like constantly breathing your own air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this air circulation allows you to like circulate your air out so it comes up from the bottom of vent. Wow. And then over here, these vents are pulling in air. Okay. So that as a fan circulates, it's bringing air in, circulating here, out here. So you have this constant this. Okay. So if, if you were wearing that style mask this whole time, where that came that came later, did you rock a regular mask in the beginning, or you always had that mask? Um, no, I rocked a regular mask in the beginning. Yeah. And then I realized, like, face size, like I'm nine and a half. What the fuck is a face size, bro? It's true. It's really true. Like, <laughs> they fuck your ears up. Yo, what size shit? Motherfuckers, you have pretty ears now. It's like Nick, motherfuckers' ears is like this now. Me like, too. looking like orcs. Like, yo, at what point? What size face you got? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, shit so new, funny, man. new things that are coming, like, popped up. Like, what face size sizes. Is that? Are you a medium in mask? <laughs> you wear camouflage? Like, when you asked me what shirt size they wear, like, what size your head? No, but think about that. Holy think about shit. it, bro. And if you think about headphones, like we wear these headphones all the time for hours at a time. Like this thing is wet repellent. You don't get like weirded out. Like nah, it's true. at some point in time on the airplane, you're like, oh shit, this it's hurting it my ears. It does. It does. Yeah. So that's why like the 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 the, um, the cavity in the mask. You have to think about like it pressing up against your face and your nose and your mouth when you pucker. Mm. So. Just the art, the research and development that went into making the mask. It's been a it's been a cool ride. Yeah. And then like I'm like, wow, check this out, bro. Like, I'm from the projects. And <laughs> who would have fucking thought that you know you could you could assemble a team and imagine new types of products. It's awesome. And new types of experience and like brainstorming. But music did that. Like being that freaking, you know. What's homeboy's name from Star Wars? The hmm. not Luke. Han Solo. Han Solo, bro. <laughs> Having that Han Solo fucking mentality of yeah. like getting in the Falcon and traveling and fucking understanding what what Chewy? Oh, hey, <laughs> like this motherfucker knew Chewbacca, bro. He knew Chewbacca language. He knew Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you understand? <laughs> he understood. <laughs> So I'm like Han Solo him in this bitch, bro. Oh, is it Wookie? Yeah. He's a Wookish, bro. Wookish. Can you, can you clean that mask? There's like a way to take it out. Yeah, yeah. It. So there's like this, the spray. That's the key to washing them and shit. Yeah, this is uh, uh, the spray and the filters. Like you unscrew the filter. Okay, yeah. And then you re. re uh, it actually works. It looks good on too. It works for you and you. Per- it just works for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we we just wanted to make like the the. the the Jordan 2 of masks, bro. <laughs> Are they different colorways? Yeah, we got black and orange. As a matter of fact, Ooh. I'm late to my to my mask meeting. Oh, sure, okay. Yeah. All right, so, dude, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate your time. Um, oh, thanks for everything you. you've given to this uh, world with your music and your positivity, and you're very inspiring human, and uh, honored to know you and appreciate your time today being on the podcast. It means a lot, man. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.
And Derek, thank you. Derek Separatora, thank you for being here. That's right. Um, Robbie, Derek sings in a band called Separatora, a wonderful band. And he also has a show coming out called Highway to Health, where he travels around being a vegan, trying different fu- food in different countries with different people. Derek oh, Green, yeah, Highway to Health. It's super cool. Highway to oh, Health. Yeah. That's just, that's I, love that. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, bro. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.